the podcast today explains what happened one day when uh, a special day approached. It was the tenth day of the tenth month in 1997. All of a sudden, the whole population changed. There were parades with chanting and singing, and women were beating pots and pans with wooden spoons. And uh, I found out that the occasion was on the tenth day of the tenth month in 1945 was the day the Democratic People's Workers' Party was organized by General Kim Il-sung, and it was approaching. And General Kim Jong-il is about to be installed as chairman of the party. Well, the Lord gave me an open door yesterday on the ship, and uh, today He did it again. A real answer to weeks of prayer. We're eating an apple and some <clears throat> alternative food. That means there might be leaves or anything, the grass they gather in the county office. And the committee chairman started asking me questions, which gave me an opportunity to share my testimony. What an opportunity! For you see, I'd been praying for this kind of of opening. I felt uh, I felt led to tell them about my reason for being in uh, North Korea. It was not as a representative of the United States, or not of Amigos Internacionales. It was my religion that inspired me to do these things. Because I'm a deeply religious man, I told them. I pray daily for your leader, Kim Jong Il. I pray for him to have the knowledge, wisdom, and guidance to lead you through this crisis and bring you to a time of peace, safety, and prosperity. When I finished my testimony, the Koreans cheered and shouted, "Thank you!" with that statement, and clapped. I was telling a group of atheists that I was a Christian man. I was praying to a God they didn't believe in, praying for the leader to be blessed by coming to know the truth, Jesus, and they thanked me enthusiastically. <laughs> oh God, it's so good. Well, I stayed in the Chongjin guest house. While I was monitoring and unloading the distribution of the corn to overseas Harriet, there was an eight-foot wall around the grounds with a broken glass on top, and a guard on the front gate. He wasn't to keep people out; he was to keep me in. Well, <laughs> the huge celebration over the event of General Kim Jong Il's election as head of the Workers' Party affected the staff of the guest house. They had a celebration, including novelty sports, folk dancing, singing, and a picnic. They involved me in the novelty sports. Oh, it was a comedy of major proportions. My partner in the three-legged race, and in the well, in the in the two and a hula hoop race also, was a girl who brought my two buckets of hot water every morning. Her name was Mi Young. But the manager called her a young E. The big laugh was when she had to teach me the folk dances. Everyone was moving like willows in the wind, and I was more like an oak stump. She finally took me aside and tried to teach me the footwork. She said, "Anna, do set." That's what she chanted: one, two, three. And she taught me the steps. The final blow fell when they said. 
you have to sing for us. Singing is the custom at all our picnics and family celebrations. You must sing. Oh, no, Lord, but me, I don't sing. Their request to sing was not really an invitation, though. It was a command to perform. I began to pray. I didn't have time for a King James-type prayer. I just prayed, Oh, God, what am I going to do? I don't sing, I preach. The problem is that I had never been able to carry a tune. I blanked and could not remember any song lyrics. I don't have a book. Help me, God. He knew and I knew I was in trouble. Under the weight of the microphone, I remembered Amazing Grace. The public address sound system was enormous. It was the type used in broadcasting the patriotic songs and speeches every morning, which happened at 6.30 every morning. They'd come through and make all that racket, wake everybody up to work. It could be heard over a very large area as it echoed off the hard surface of the parking lot and through the moist sea air. I began to sing a cappella, and I was shocked by the mellow baritone voice through <laughs> the loudspeaker. It gave me such confidence that I added hand, head, and body movements to emphasize the message. Oh, I was good. My translator was struggling with the message, but finally he finished when I did. The crowd sat in absolute silence for several minutes. The guest house, ma- the guest house manager broke the silence. She said, I've never heard an, an American song before. I've never heard an American sing before. It was beautiful. I smiled, bowed to their applause, and nearly fell forward on my face when the manager shouted, you must sing again for us now. Oh, I nearly passed out, goodness gracious. I prayed again. I could just hear my guardian angel say to the angel who taught Balaam's donkey to speak Hebrew, you think you had a hard job? Listen to this request. Oh goodness, the only other song I could think of was the love song I sing to my wife privately. Uh, it uh, is written in earlier, I, I gave it in an earlier uh, podcast, but I'm gonna repeat it here for uh, convenience. And uh, I introduced it with the explanation that it was a love song. It was a song I usually sang only for my wife. I told him I had not seen her for several months as I served the people of the DPRK, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. My translator was able to handle the lyrics easily, and I could see from the facial expressions they were getting the message. The song says, God gave to the wise men their wisdom, to the poets their hopes and their dreams. To dad and mother he gave each other, not a soul was left out, so it seemed. But I thought that I'd been forgotten, that life was an empty affair. But when God gave me you, it was then that I knew that I'd gotten more than my share. Oh, the crowd burst into applause, and most of them were wiping tears from their faces. Oh, God is good. Balaam's donkey was nothing on me. He could speak Hebrew, and I sang. (laughs) Oh, but the rest of the story came in the night. 
I was praying and asking God why I'd been put in such a situation. As I prayed, he reminded me that the Korean Christian churches sang their Korean hymn lyrics to American hymn tunes. My singing being broadcast over the area of the city might be heard by some Korean Christians. They would be uplifted and encouraged to hear the melody of amazing grace being broadcast in their city. And later I discovered they did. God is so good. Thank you for your your attention to these podcasts. May God use it to bless you. Lord, we pray in his name. Amen. In this podcast, I'd like to explain how God directly answers prayer in, uh, in emergency situations where it will prove to the doubting that he is God. <coughs> I spent two weeks in Chongjin on the East Coast and was returning to Pyongyang. <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> Folks, I'm sorry. I picked up asthma working three months at Ground Zero in Land 11. And every now and then it, it does interrupt my work. Well, I spent two weeks in Pyongyang, I mean in Chongjin, and returning to Pyongyang. The train was supposed to arrive at 7 p.m. It was late. It was 12 hours late and didn't, and no announcements were ever made. It was your responsibility to watch the station and catch it when it came. In this vignette of the podcast, I share an incident that illustrates what happened so many times as I lived and shared my faith with others. This contains an example of how God answered prayer directly to challenge unbelief. The train came at seven o'clock, but it was a.m., not the p.m. of last night. I spent the night at the station. As I lugged my 85-pound suitcase through the station, uh, I had to lug it because I carried because the wheels had come off on the trip in. Well, I wondered how long the 19-hour trip to Pyongyang would be this time, since the train was 12 hours late, 12 hours behind schedule already. Well, <laughs> the answer would come in time. Mr. Kim, my, uh, my minder, had purchased some food for the trip. You get yours this time and I'll get mine, he said because mine has too much meat and bread. He doesn't like that. He wanted rice, fish, noodles, and kimchi. Now, kimchi is a, a bowl or a jar of fermented vegetables. It's like an enormous type of sauerkraut, only it is much more um, aromatic, <laughs> shall I say. He had traded four of my candy bars for a bowl of kimchi on the way to Chongjin. I'd been praying and fasting about the situation and had planned to fast on the trip home. When he saw me not eating, he bothered me to death about eating something. I finally gave in and when I opened my pack, he grabbed one of my uh, ramen noodle packages and shoved it to me and said, here, eat 
this with me. I said, well, this must have hot water. He said, I know. Give me uh, two of your candy bars. <laughs> oh, he returned in about 20 minutes with this large tea kettle full of boiling water. Two days, three bowls of noodles, and six candy bars later, we're arriving in Pyongyang. The 19-hour trip took 37 hours and nine minutes. Uh, like I said, it's not all as you expect. We were stalled several times and spent hours at a time with not, without moving. The last time was 45 kilometers from Pyongyang. And there was a four-hour power failure. My guide was frustrated, my, my minder. His wife, whom he had not been with in two months, he had to live with us at the hotel while his wife and child were only 15 minutes away, but he had to stay with me, watch me. <laughs> they were to meet us at the train station and we were two days late. He was frantic. He walked around the whole train as I read my Bible in the compartment. He came in, saw me reading and said, your God can do anything, right? I said, yes. Well, would you ask your God if, he'll, if he really exists to turn on the electricity so we can go home? I want to see my wife. We'd already spent hours on this trip in atheist-Christian dialogue, and he did this as a jab at my argument for a personal God. I said, okay, I'm going to talk to my God in a few minutes, and when I do, I will ask him to do that. He laughed and walked out. I looked at my watch, it was 7 p.m. I began to pray, and at 7.05, the lights in the train came on brightly. I laughed and thanked him and kept praying about other things. For you see, I'd, I'd asked God, would you please gig this old boy and let him know you're God? If this just has to move 12 feet, that's fine, but move this train so he'll know you're God. And boy, did he answer that. At 7 p.m., or 7.15 p.m., I guess it was, the electric locomotive lurched forward toward Pyongyang. Mr. Kim had to run to catch the observation platform on the end of the train. He came into the compartment with a blank look on his face. I looked him in the eyes and smiled. He stuck out his hand for a handshake, adding a huge high five. <laughs> he went back out into the hallway to wait until I finished. Oh, God is so ever good. Well, when he came back in, uh, God told me to ask him, uh, Mr. Kim, is there anything else you need while I'm talking to the Father? He had his back to me, but looked over his shoulder and smiled. You see, power witnessing is when you tell people about God and then believe that he will demonstrate his power to them in such a way that no one can doubt who he is. As it says in Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Oh, God is good. Well, so often when I prayed, God took such immediate action that it left my minders astounded. Before the end of my tour of duty, when uh, they would ask for something, and I said I'd pray about it, they'd smile and say, good. You see, God was moving and showing them who he was. Isn't it wonderful? He'll do that in your life too.
just pray and trust. You know, I used to say seeing is believing, but now I really have changed that to believing is seeing. <laughs> oh, God bless you.